I'm Brittany Pacheco. And I'm Alfred. <laughs> and we are the Watchers in the Basement. Welcome to the Watchers in the Basement. On last week's episode, Brittany, you and I talked about the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, which got me to thinking, what other superhero movies have like holiday tie-ins? So I did a little bit of thinking on that, and I found out, that, you know, I remember like, obviously Iron Man 3 has a Christmas theme. Yep. Shazam happens during Christmas. But the movie that's the most Christmas themed superhero movie, superhero, superhero movie (laughs) is, of course, Batman Returns, which just so happens that Batman Returns came out in 1992. So we're still technically within the 30 year anniversary of the movie. So not only is this a holiday movie, we're also celebrating the 30th anniversary of Batman Returns. So, uh, yeah, for us, pretty (laughs) proud of myself for finding that one. But, uh, so. Let's uh, just real quick. I want to ask y'all. I'll start with you, Brittany. Do you remember like when you first saw this movie? Like, do you remember how old you were? I mean, you didn't see it in the theaters. I I, I don't imagine, but like, no, because I was three when this movie came out. Like, (laughs) yeah, in 1992, I was, I was three years old. No, in, in all honesty, I actually, I don't recall the first time I watched Batman Returns. But I will say that I've seen this movie f- more often than I've seen 89 Batman. So my recollection of 89 Batman is really like a hit and miss. And Batman Returns out of, you know, the earlier movies of or rather the non Dark Knight trilogy. Batman Returns is actually my favorite. Uh, after that will probably be Batman Forever. And then uh, Batman and Robin's going to be last for me. Yeah. We'll talk more about that later. But anyway, uh, yeah, Batman Returns for me in the non-Dark Knight trilogy is going to be my favorite. And I, I know I was young. I I thought Catwoman, Catwoman was cool. I liked the idea with the big duck <laughs> as like a, a vehicle <laughs> was kind of cool. I don't know, just like a rubber ducky and it it does bad things. And I don't know, it, it's a fun, it's a fun watch for me. It, for me, I can rewatch it if it's on TV, if it's on a streaming platform, which it is HBO max, go check it out y'all. And it's fun. It's, it's just always been a fun watch for me. It's silly. It's wacky. It's Tim Burton. I absolutely love it. I've gotten no qualms with it, but in terms of earliest recollection, couldn't tell you. I just know I've seen it. I know I like it and I will rewatch it. (laughs) Frank, what about you? Do you remember the first time you saw this movie? I do. Um, I begged my mom and her, her ex-boyfriend to take me. Um, I don't remember. I can't remember if it was opening weekend or not. It might have been like the second weekend. I was seven. And I remember just sitting there being so excited. Because I saw the first Batman, but I saw that like maybe like a year before this Batman came out. Because I was so young. I think I might have been like four when the first Batman came out. And I just remember the excitement. Because um, that same year, um, Batman animated series came out. So there was a lot of hoopla about this Batman coming out. I remember watching WB and like, and like it was just every every thirty seconds, every like minute and a half in commercial breaks, they, they were like promoting this Batman Returns movie, the McDonald's tours, like all the promotion was there. So um, you know, I remember the toys for sure. <laughs> yeah. So like you know, when you're seven and like and like you, you think about uh, you know, because Tim, Tim Burton who did Nightmare Before Christmas, his movies are very cartoonish, very animated very over the top so you know even with the with the 
for that time, um, seeing Batman in that light, you know, Batman's a very serious, um, dark, um, vivid character. So seeing that, seeing how he made that that character very like cartoonish and like over the top for for the big screen, it, it was it, it fascinated me, and I was very excited to see that. And you know, Michael Michael Keaton at the time to me was the coolest man on the planet. Like nobody could tell me different. Like that that dude, the way he pulled Batman, the way he walks, the way the 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 difference, the juxtapose of Batman and Bruce Wayne, how different they were. Like I thought Keaton was God at that time. So it was it was a movie for me that I watched. I mean, we got the VHS the the following year. I watched it like twelve times in the first week that I had that movie. So yeah, Frank so, for for our for our listeners who may not be familiar with VHSs, can you? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, you know something. Speaking of VHS. Something that was kind of significant about Batman Returns was the VHS for that one was like cheaper than other VHSs because back in the day, the VHSs were really expensive. Like, if you like for Batman 89, for example, I mean, it didn't come to VHS for like a year and a half after it came out. And when it came out, it was like, I don't know, like 50 bucks or 75 bucks the VHS was. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was like if you had Batman on VHS, it's like you were rich. You know, like I remember. Just going to the video store, even the small town I lived in for eighty for Batman eighty nine, like they'd have like ten copies of it and they'd always be sold out of it. Like especially yeah. like when it first hit hit VHS. So mm-hmm. uh Batman Returns. <laughs> was like, yeah, because, there we go. <laughs> right. Uh yeah, exactly. quick shout out. Quick shout out to Yesenia, longtime <laughs> watchers of fan. Appreciate you being here. As she she reminds us, be kind, rewind, man. Man, I remember it's, Blockbuster back in those days, man. If you didn't rewind those videos, they taxed your ass like a dollar fifty every time you didn't rewind those videos. So I, I remember those very, very well. Uh, the good old days of Blockbuster. Yes, we're showing our ages, y'all. Um, <laughs> but she also says that her first introduction to Batman was through her cousin uh, Myra, uh, who was a babysitter at the time, introduced uh, Batman to her. She was in the fourth grade, and she says she's loved Batman ever since. So that's awesome. Love it. Love it. I, I I just I like this movie. I mean, yeah. it's 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 a fun watch. Like I said, so I was twelve when I saw it. And I saw it in theaters, and I saw, I saw eighty nine in theaters also. I think I've seen, I think I've seen every Batman movie in theaters except for I never I didn't see Mask of the Phantasm, which I think came out also in ninety two or ninety three, which is the animated movie. And I I don't think I saw Batman and Robin in theaters. I've only seen it like a couple times. It's by far <laughs> the worst uh, Batman movie. It's yeah, it's brutal. Um, but I remember I was really excited about this movie because I loved 89 like 89 um, I don't know you just kind of had to be alive at that point and be at a certain age where you can appreciate it because like Batman was like no I mean Batman was everywhere it was like such a huge thing and uh, no I was just like I was just gonna say I I was barely alive you know in 89 (laughs) right exactly But, but like the Batman logo was like on everything and it was like I mean everyone kind of was into that movie um and then, of course, this this was the next, the sequel. And we'll talk about some things about why it's it's kind of a sequel, but not really here in a little bit. But uh, no, I mean, Batmania was like running wild and uh, that continued over to this movie. And uh, let me get to the stats. So Batman Returns release date was June 19th, 1992. Box office of 266 million, which was a far drop off from Batman. The original Batman made 411 million, which, you know, back in those days, that's a ton of money. I mean, it's still yeah. a ton of money, but like, 
you, you know, that was before we had a lot of the overseas uh, box office that wasn't as big. Actually, now our movies are kind of regressing back to that because even the Marvel movies now are not even being released in China. The last several haven't been. So mm-hmm. that's why we see these numbers kind of come back down to earth. Well, you know, Batman Returns was, it made 150 million less than Batman, which, you know, there's some, there's some definite reasons for that. And, and we'll get into that in a second. But uh, like y'all mentioned before, directed by Tim Burton with a cast of Michael Keaton as Batman, Danny DeVito playing Penguin, Michelle Pfeiffer, of course, as Catwoman, and Christopher Walken as Max Shrek. Uh, Star studded cast, a pretty small cast. Like, if, you know, rewatching this movie, and I haven't seen this movie. I mean, I watched it yesterday to in preparation for this, but I haven't seen this movie in a couple of years or more. I kind of forgot how how kind of small it is, whereas it's all shot on, um, you know, studio sound stages. And it, it almost feels like you're watching a play. Did, did y'all kind of get that feeling, too? It kind of it feels small, you know, I think it took up a lot of Warner Brothers lots like to make Gotham city and and i think even in an interview michelle pfeiffer talked about how how often those sets would change and and she'd get lost trying to trying to get to wherever she needed to go on set and so i mean while i understand where you're coming from like it seems small because they keep focusing back at the plaza or at shrek you know, the, that that store or the offices above it or whatever. It, yeah, I, I can see how it feels rather yeah. small. Yeah, Frank, what are your thoughts on like just how the look of this film, like compared to like films nowadays, like it's you, you wouldn't see a, a superhero movie done like this nowadays. No, you wouldn't. Um, I, I think this movie was kind of like a um, the pilot test to movies for movies to come in the nineties, as far as superhero movies. Um, I know we had Superman in the 70s and in the early 80s, but again, that was that was a decade or 15 years prior to, to Batman Return. So I think a lot, I think a lot of the the create the creativity, the sets, the the way it was shot was more of a of a test to see how how future movies will look. Um and you never saw anything of this kind. Um even like the even like the the Mr. West Batmans back in the 50s and, and 60s, they were they were like comic book like. And it was the first of its kind as well. And I think Warner Brothers really was just trying to test the waters to see how far they can go with this, with this unforeseen mindset of making this over the top and cartoonish as possible, um, while still adding the dark element of, of what Batman is. And for the for the time period, it worked. Um, for the early '90s, I, I don't think I don't think you can you can pull that pull that off now as far as like the tone of, of Bruce Wayne slash um slash batman in today's times but um the matt reeves batman the christian the uh christopher nolan batman that dark grunge batman that's that's more that's more of the tone that batman's portrayed in the comic books nowadays as opposed to 35 40 years ago so for the time man i i applaud them i mean i mean i i, I remember the hoopla behind like kids were like it and at school in, in elementary kids were talking about not talking about how it looked, but just talking about like, oh my God, Batman's Batman's in real life. Like as a second grader, we, we didn't remember Batman in '89. I mean, I mean, we watched the movies years years later, but there was so much excitement of like, just you didn't know what to expect. So the, I think I don't think like the the measuring stick expectations was there because it was just it was the first of its kind, a, a feature Batman film, or well, the second of its kind. But 
it was just so much excitement behind it. But um, yeah, it looked very stationary. Um, all the shots, it seemed like it was like four or five locations, you know, Gotham City, the, the alleyway, and then like the Penguin's Lair. But like, it was just so majestic in its way for, for that time. And I mean, I, I loved it. Yeah, you know, you talked about it. It's kind of a weird, like, balancing act because you have this dark character, which, you know, you mentioned Adam West, which Adam West was like, it was very campy. You had the blue, blue and gray suit. And then when you introduce Batman 89, it's a serious take. It's dark. I mean, obviously, you've got some some campy stuff a little bit, but this movie was definitely campier than uh, 89. And um, it's it, obviously it got even worse with uh, Batman Forever. And then, of course, Batman and Robin is like the campiest of all camp. Now, Batman Forever and Batman Robin, that was Schumacher, right? That wasn't Burton. Yeah, Joel Schumacher did that. Yeah, he got more yeah. in this year. Yeah, so Batman Forever, which was the third movie after Batman Returns, it actually it did better financially. It made three hundred and thirty six million, and then Batman and Robin dropped off. It was at two hundred and thirty eight million. So it was the lowest of those four movies, by far the worst, as we've mentioned before. And um, George Clooney's biggest regret, like he he regretted yeah. taking on that role. <laughs> but you know what though? I, I don't even blame like the cast for that. I just I blame the director and the writing. Like, <laughs> like George Clooney at that time. Yeah. yeah. Well, oh, oh, oh no, man. That was. I mean, Mr. Freeze and the villains were just, the villain the the villains that movie were like so hokey pokey campy. I couldn't take them serious. Yeah. Like Two Face is a dark character. Well, Two Face uh, is forever though. Two Faces. Forever. Okay. Yeah. Freeze was Freeze was Batman Robin. Yeah. So, Freeze and uh, Poison Ivy. Poison Ivy. Okay. Yeah. yeah Freeze, and Batman Freeze Forever is Riddler and Two Face. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Freeze is a dark character. Like, I mean, his origin story. I mean, his wife had a had a debilitating illness, life threatening illness. Had a freezer. You know, he, he he turned to this icicle type villain, and like, but they they made it such they made such light of his character, and then like. You hire Austrian to play this character, and it just—I don't know. Like another gets Arnold Schwarzenegger, but like he doesn't encapsulate the villain, Mister Freeze. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like he's—it's—it's it's really comical. I mean, yeah, it's a—it's it's very comical. And, and I was like watching this. I'm like, this isn't the Mister Freeze I read in the comic books. This isn't yeah. this isn't the Mister Freeze I saw in the Batman animated series. He's bald. He's skinny. He's frail. He's sickly. Yeah. Like he—he—he he, he has to live in that. In that machine, the ice capsule soup to survive, and like they did, they did whatever they could to make it the opposite for the movie, which I thought was kind of like weird. I mean, he's he's in a big like blue robe and wearing polar bear slippers, and you know they're they're singing to I can't remember if it's some sort of Christmas song or or not, but it it it's you you couldn't take him serious like even in that suit because you hear the accent all you think is get to the chapa you know like that's that's all you can hear it's yeah. you know it you know it's not a tuma like whatever you know it's just like that's all i hear in my head and i'm like this is this is not good this is yeah but you know i don't good. i don't think george clooney was bad as batman though i think george clooney was fine as batman i think because yeah. a lot of times people go, oh, he's the worst Batman. No, he was in the worst Batman movie. I don't know. Yeah. That he's, I mean, he, he might be the worst Batman, but like it's it wasn't like he was trying to be this terrible version of Batman. It just because yeah. of everything else. And, you know, these movies all have the same trend where they're all focused. They're hyper focused on the villains. And in yeah. fact, obviously, in Batman 89, Jack Nicholson playing the Joker, he gets top billing over Michael Keaton. Much yeah. like in Batman Forever, right? Schwarzenegger. So, though. Well, that that makes sense though. He he's Jack Nicholson, like yeah, yeah, but, 
But I mean, the movie's called Batman. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're right. You're right. But when you when you hire Jack Nicholson, you know what comes along with that. Wait, 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 wait. I agree. Yeah. I'm going to divert. Then we're going to come back. Okay. Robert Downey Jr. was not the top billed cast member in Iron Man. It was Terrence Howard. Terrence Howard. So, and it's Iron Man. Yes. Yes. He's not. No. Like his name, Terrence Howard name wasn't on the poster. It didn't say like Terrence Howard as like. He, he, was highest paid, he was the highest paid he was, actor. He was the highest paid he was actor. The highest paid, right, highest That's paid. what I'm he saying, but the movie is called Iron Man. What I'm talking about in the cast, and the, the, when they run the credits, when they roll credits, they're going to Robert Downey Jr.'s name is ahead of Terrence Howard. That's what I'm saying. Where it's on Batman he Forever. He still wasn't top billed. No, top billed is like where you're on the bill, on the like the poster or whatever, like your name. Or That's he what wasn't that means. top paid. You, you understand what I'm trying to say. Shut up. <laughs> I do, but top paid is different than top billed. What I'm saying is the villains were the main focus of these movies and this is no exception obviously in this movie you have two villains you have Catwoman played by Michelle Pfeiffer and you have uh Penguin played by Danny DeVito um let's get into like I I have a lot of I have mixed thoughts about this movie like as a kid I liked it because I was a kid but like later on I was like yeah, I don't know about this movie and re-watching it last night I'm like yeah I think what I felt a few years ago about this movie I think I'm I think I'm dead on still about it um but let's first let's talk about like the things we liked about the movie. Brittany, what are some things that you love or like about Batman Returns? Oh, real quick, I just want to say hello to those in our chat. Of course, Yesenia once again who's joining us. Also, uh Nadia, aka Little Monster, friend of mine over from Instagram. She says she loves Batman Returns. Michelle is her favorite catwoman. And all the way from the UK, it's midnight over there. Nick and Claire walking with the woods. Thank we appreciate y'all staying up. Yeah. <laughs> appreciate it. Yes. This is a Christmas movie. Next will be Die Hard. I'm just kidding. Um, so what I like about Batman Returns, it's, it's again, I, as a kid and you see like this giant rubber duck looking thing and it's big and it's bright in a, in a world of that's dark, black, white, gray kind of, kind of look. I don't know. Uh, and it's a very Tim Burton style of, of, color scheme his he always is going to have like black and white stripes like that's his signature kind of look beetlejuice uh the final outfit that christina ricci wears in sleepy hollow etc etc and i think as a kid seeing and this is so weird because i don't like clowns yet you had like the circus-esque sort of yeah. uh, characters that are penguins henchmen right and a lot of it kind of has to stem from from penguin um, I never took him to be a terrifying sort of creature. Uh, that's obviously what they were going for. I think the makeup, the special, like the prosthetics and everything that they did for Danny DeVito was really well done. And I don't know. I think it was the look of him. And then, of course, seeing Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman in this like vacuum tight suit. Yet she's still able to to kick your ass and have the, uh, what do you call it? The whip. Right. And I don't know. It's, it's, it's just a fun movie to me and it's, it's, you know, downright silly and whatnot, but I don't know. It's just, I, I just enjoy, I enjoy the movie and this, it, it could have been set in any season whatsoever, but the fact that it's Christmas and it's supposed to be happy, you know, fun, you know, let's all get together and do great things you have this other kind of side villain character that is played by Christopher Walken, who's just a legend in himself. Right. But he's, you know, he's supposed to be 
Gotham's number one citizen, yet he does shady things and um, everything that just unfolds and is exposed by uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's character, Selena Kyle, uh, Penguin, Batman. I mean, it's it's kind of it's just fun, and and I think the, I think the wackiest part of this movie, honestly, there's a lot. Go ahead. No, no, no. But for me, but for me, <laughs> I know, <laughs> is Christopher Walken's hair. What the hell? Like that hair is atrocious. Okay, it is it is weird. I I, I can't even describe it. It's just weird, odd choice. But sure, we'll go with it. So Frank, what what do you like about Batman Returns? Oh uh, man, Michael Keaton for sure. Um, his his portrayal of Batman in this in this film was pretty dope. Um, the cast in general. Um, that this was the first movie I've I've ever heard of or saw Christopher Walken. So being a kid, I was just I was so captivated by his voice. His voice was just so distinct. Um, he sounded he sounded like a a guy that's about to just screw you out of like a used car. Like he had that that pizzazz that that very like. I don't know. It was just a unique pitch in his voice that always caught my attention. Um, and I mean, I, I know, was, I know, I was seven, but Michelle Pfeiffer and those black tights, man. I don't, I don't know. That that did something to me. As I didn't know what was going on biologically with me at that time, but that was something that I will never forget. Um, and uh, what else? Just, just a, just a very dark, cartoonish vibe of Gotham City. How 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 grungy it looked, how over the top nightmare before Christmas it looked. Um, um, I even though it was in, it was in June, July when I saw the movie, I, it gave a very dark Christmas vibe. Um, that was kind of cool. And uh, Brittany, I know, I know you said that the you know Dan DeVito wore a lot of prosthetics. I don't, I can't really tell. I mean, from the prosthetics there and Dan DeVito in person, it wasn't. The, that far fetched of a difference. That's but, messed up. Like uh, the, the flippers, his his hands, you know, as as flippers. The nose was extremely long. That was not real. Of course, he's in the bodysuit, which you know is not very flattering. But um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's just the whole look of what Penguin is supposed to look like with the teeth, and then like the I don't know if it's like supposed to represent like oil or something coming out of his because you know his teeth and mouth are black i think it's like bile or something bile okay yeah yeah. so like i don't know it's just it it looks terrifying but like it's to Mm. me of course now as a 33 year old it's not terrifying at all but i can definitely see how that would come off as like a look of like oh my god i do not want to be around this person associate with this person uh but you know he he's lethal uh with whatever he's given i mean he wasn't he bit I, the nose off someone, basically. I mean, good God. Yeah, like yeah, Nick I, says, those hands were crazy. I didn't, I didn't get, like, I guess with him, even as a, as a seven-year-old kid at the time, I didn't get, like, a form, formidable opponent for for Bruce Wayne slash mm-hmm. Batman. Like, Catwoman, I did. I mean, as far as you know, the skill set, her ability right. to fight, her, her, her vengeful attitude, um, I did. But with Pringle, I was like, this is just a, this is a, this is a guy in a way. Like, he's not really much of a... Uh, uh, of a formative force. Um, I thought the premise was, well, we'll get into that later on, but yeah, yeah. Um, I think overall the suaveness of Bruce Wayne, uh, walking into that that ball with that tux on and the suave attitude that he had, I thought he was the coolest person on the planet. Like, I I, I mean, I, I lost a guy in that movie for that, but uh, it was mostly for Michael Keaton, man. Everything else was just, you know, uh, was cool, but he, he, he sold it for me for sure. 
So for my likes, I agree with you all about the cast. I think the main four actors are are phenomenal. Um, but I think that Michael Keaton and Michelle Pfeiffer, their characters, I think they're best when they're not in their superhero costumes. I think they're the scenes where they're just like regular people are much better to me. Like watching it now through my 42 year old eyes. Like, I think that's, I like that part better than uh, when they're in the costumes. Um, you know, we talked about the Christmas theme of it. I, I think crit and Frankie kind of touched on this, the theme of Christmas paired with the backdrop of Gotham city, which is like the worst place in the world to ever like it's, it seems like it's always the coldest, wettest, dirtiest place to live. Like as far as the city, like I think having Christmas combined with that really works for me. I, I honestly, this movie should have come out like in December, but I mean, I, you know, whatever, but I, I think that works really well. And then also like, you know, the MVP of all these Batman movies early on, uh, Danny Elfman's uh, music, his score, the Batman theme, which is tremendous. Um, I mean, and I think his music is probably the most prominent in this movie because that gothic kind of sound fits with how dark this movie is, you know, and just like the, I don't know. It, this is, this is, I mean, Batman 89 was a very dark movie. And I don't mean just like dark in like content, but dark in like, it's hard to see what's going on on the screen, <laughs> you know, like, like game of Thrones level like of season uh, eight. Game right. Of Thrones. Right. Good but, uh, no, but th- this, the, 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 the soundtrack of the, the music, his, his score is so prominent in this, in this movie. I've always loved that. So yeah. let me Danny get Elfman. This... Oh, I was, sorry. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say Danny Elfman and, and Tim Burton have always like always, always, always worked together. I mean, Danny Elfman, of course, has done scores for for other movies that, you know, we've watched and yeah. um, love. But I think I think Danny Elfman shines brightly when he's in collab with Tim Burton. I mean, he, they recently just did the Wednesday on Netflix. And you have, y'all haven't checked out our review on when. On Wednesday, last Wednesday, right. uh, uh, be sure to check it out. I'll, I'll drop a link in the uh, description box down below as well. And in the chat, Amber from all of Amber's wands, our yep. fellow watcher is in the chat. She joined us on the Wednesday pod along with Tristan. Fun pod, fun watch. Tim Burton and Danny Elfman can do no wrong. Yeah, that's actually how I got the idea to do this movie was because it was a Tim Burton thing. Yeah, so (laughs) I was watching my own podcast on a day when I wasn't on the podcast. And I was like, oh, that'd be a good, good topic for us. (laughs) So I appreciate you all for talking about Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's get into some of my critiques and I want to get y'all's thoughts on this. So I remember even as a kid, I thought how how um, Selena Kyle becomes Catwoman never really made sense to me. So, I mean, the part where... (laughs) The part where uh, Max Shrek pushes her out the window, like watching that now, like the, the way it looks, it looks awesome. Like that, they did that so well. <laughs> I'm not saying, I mean, I'm not saying she deserved it. Are you, are you pushed... taking notes or no, something? I, no, no, Should no. I be concerned? Brittany, no. I'm just saying, like, the way it looks visually, like, like that was well, it's a great scene. Like, he he fakes her out. Like, he's like, she's like, you're not going to kill me. Right. And he's like, like, uh, you know, whatever. And he kind of fakes her out and then he pushes her. Like, that's a. Uh, that's a funny thing. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, to, to kind of. <laughs> yeah. I'm reading the private chat. You really shouldn't do that when I'm talking. Cause then I get all Sorry. out of sorts, but uh, so to yeah. just kind of set up this, this scene here with what's happening between Selena Kyle and Shrek, her boss, uh, you know, she's preparing for a meeting. She's unlocked some very private files 
that really talks about what this quote unquote power plant that Shrek is proposing is really not going to do what he says it's going to do. It's it's actually taking away energy from Gotham. It's going to store stockpile. And she figured all this out. And when she tells him, I'm not going to say anything, he's like, yeah, that's like a chance I can't take. And, and I love the setup where she's calling him out. She's kind of like, sure, intimidate me, bully me, if that makes you feel, you know, like a man or something like that. And, and when he leans in on her, it's almost like, okay, is he actually going to like, harass her like kiss her or something and then he's like ah ah and, and she kind of like she's like relaxes a little bit right and she's right. like oh my god like i thought you're and, and she's laughing and then push right you know and you're right the scene of her falling it looks cool it looks great yeah she's going through these canopies of like the shrek cat head or whatever it is and whatever it is and and then she lands in the snow and it's like, oh, she's dead. There's no way anyone would have survived that fall. Like, I can't, right. I can't tell you stories. But then, like, all these cats. Yep, they gather around her. Upon her. It's, like one of them, like, licks her face, and all of a sudden, she comes back to life. And it's like, to me, making like, there's so many supernatural Batman villains. Like, to make and Catwoman's not one of them. To make her like this supernatural thing is weird. And then, like, the fact that this is something I forgot about. I forgot about the whole nine lives plot device where she literally has nine lives like a cat. Like I forgot yeah. about that completely. And yeah. as of, you know, you're watching this and she's like keeping track of how many times she's died. I'm like, this is just not, it's not good. Like, I don't, I don't like that part of it. Like it just, I don't like the part of the cat, like biting on her finger. Well, like, no, is, yeah. Right. Is that, is that what's causing her to turn into like this cat woman persona? Like she's, it's like, you, you get bit by a rat. Now you have rabies like, or you know what I'm saying? Like it's, yeah. it's such a strange, it's like Spider-Man, but weird. Yeah. I mean, not, not that like, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, being bit by spiders and give you superpowers, but uh, yeah, yeah whatever, Fra whenever you understand that like that, like it's okay. But with Catwoman, Yeah. Yeah. Frank, what are your thoughts? You know, what that felt like that felt like Tim Burton and like the writing uh, crew was in the boardroom. And like, it's like February 28th. And like one brother sends an email, hey, by March 3rd, we need this uh, script put in so we can start shooting. And they just smoked a bunch of ganja and came over that ending and submitted the script th two days before it, it was it was time to submit it and came over with that. That's that's what it sounds there's, there's no you can't explain this to me. There's no way in blue hell that you sat there for a year writing this script. And that was, that was the best that you came up with with a year of prep time. There's no fucking way. This is no way. And Tim Burns come off of Nightmare Before Christmas, so he's probably he's probably still on that Nightmare Before Christmas Christmas high. Like, dude, I just made I just made this dope ass clay claymation animated film. Y'all motherfuckers can't touch me. I'm I'm doing throwing some bullshit, and y'all gonna like this shit because I'm the one that created Nightmare Before Christmas. When I was seven, I was like, okay, I don't get it. I right, she fell out a window, she broke her neck, should have died, but a couple cats lick on her. She becomes Catwoman. Okay, I, I I can roll with it. I'm just having to see Michelle Pfeiffer. We watching this shit like the last week and watching it. I'm just like, bro, how did they swing this? How did adults take this and, and just accept it? Like adults our age back then, 30 years ago. How do you watch that movie and accept that origin story? Like that's that's amazing to me. Yeah. I don't get that. Yeah, it's it's really strange, especially with people who are and this is no disrespect to anyone who loves cats but it's like if you have a lot of cats which is a clouder that's what i learned is called a you know group of cats 
if you die in your apartment or wherever you live and those cats come on you, you're yeah. gone. Like you're, you're really deal. gone. Yeah. Yes. You <laughs> have no chance in hell. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. But like watching that was kind of like watching like, let's say Iron Man was created 30 years ago, right? Iron Man one. And let's say Obadiah, that's, that's the villain right in Iron Man one. Yep. Let's yeah. say Obadiah like throws Iron Man out of a window. Right. And he hits, he hits like a, a, a magnesium iron fence and like a bunch of magnesium goes into his body and he becomes Iron Man after that. That's that's kind of like how you portray Catwoman like in, in this film. Like it, it makes no sense at all. Catwoman is an acrobat. She's a <laughs> literal cat burglar. Yeah. Like she, she, she's trained all her life to be this cold acrobatic fighting machine. And you don't have any of it. Like, they don't even explain like the fighting moves that she, Michelle Pfeiffer was like a, a damsel in distress character yeah. in Act One of the film and becomes like this fighting machine towards the, the middle and the end. Like she's rivaling Bruce Wayne. Like you not explain any of this shit, dog. Like how does she know how to fight? It's like it's like the fall unlocked that part of her. Yeah, she uh, was a meek secretary, right? She's yeah, a meek secretary Assistant. who. She dies, and then when she's reanimated, she's like this different person, right? Which, uh, I mean, I guess I can roll with that. But then the part that like she can, like she's like some zombie who can die and come back like instantaneously, like that's that's the part that like rewatching it, I'm like, man, that just doesn't work. They like they needed something else, like maybe not have her die eight times, like that was kind of silly. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I digress. Yeah. So and why are you eating shots? Like you, if you have nine lives, why are you purposely taking shots to the to the abdomen and, and chest just to show that you have nine lives? Right. You want to know those nine lives? What if you hit by a bus tomorrow? You won't be able to survive because you look you wasted eight lives yeah. to, to show Christopher Walken that you can take these shots. But then she takes a taser that she gets from the beginning yeah. from one of the henchmen, and then she grabs onto a cable to like totally kill Shrek. And she does this by putting the taser in between her mouth and his mouth. And somehow she still like shows up when the bat signal is, is brought out at the end of the movie. Come on. Well, I can explain that. So that the very end of that, the, you're talking about the very last scene of the movie where we see the bat signal and then you see a, a cat woman look at the signal. That's not Michelle Pfeiffer. That was, that shot, was shot two weeks, two weeks before, before the, uh, yeah. the movie came out. So uh, they added that later because they they did test screenings and people really liked Michelle Pfeiffer as the Catwoman. And they were hoping that there would be a Catwoman movie. Uh, and they actually were working on it. Tim Burton was actually working on one and they decided not to do it. And then that later on became the Halle Berry Catwoman movie, which. One of the worst superhero movies ever. I, I, uh, don't, I don't understand. Like, okay, help, me, help me explain this. Like, yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer is the hottest stars in Hollywood. And you don't use her and you wait 13, 14 years later to, to do a movie with Halle Berry instead? Like, what, what, do you know what the reason was of not doing that sequel, not doing that spinoff or that solo film? What I was do. the reason? Warner Brothers are stupid. <laughs> no, I mean, there's a lot of factors. Uh, Tim Burton kind of, uh, well, okay, I was going to say this for a little bit later, but I'll tell you now. So, you know, Batman was like kind of 50 50. It was like a half Warner Brothers, half Tim Burton movie, right? So Tim Burton didn't want to do a sequel. And that's why in this movie, if you ever see any interviews with him, he says he made another Batman movie, not a sequel, because 
really, besides having the same person play Batman and have the same person playing Alfred and, and Commissioner Gordon, there's not there's not anything that really ties the movies together except for the fact that he says they mentioned Vicky Vale like twice, right? Right. She was his love interest in the first movie because he didn't want to do a sequel. He wanted to do a, just a, another Batman movie that was a different take on you know, just a different story. So in order to get him back, Warner Brothers gave him a creative control. So this movie, whereas Batman 89 was a was a Batman movie that Tim Burton directed, Batman Returns is a Tim Burton movie that kind of has Batman in it, is kind of the way I've heard it described, because he got to control this movie. That's why this movie is, is so insane, whereas the first one was iconic and, like, set up what could be like a universe of movies and they were very successful what they made anyway. But, uh, you know, he, he wanted to do these like one-off, you know, kind of strange tales, which is what, you know, all of his other movies, does he have sequels for any other movies? I think when he did Alice in Wonderland, he's got, he's got a sequel for that, but Tim Burton doesn't typically do sequel yeah, movies right. in general. Like he, he just does his one-off and yeah, that's it. That's, that's right. just who he is. So because it was so successful, 89, they wanted to bring him back. That He said, I'll only come back if you give me full control over this movie. And that's what they did. And so that's why you get a very Tim Burton movie. Not mad about it. Uh, well, I'll, 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 I'll continue to critique it uh, as okay. we continue here. So the next thing on my list is Batman killing people. Now, well, listen, I understand. Like, Batman is obviously going to have to beat up some villains and things are going to happen. But I mean, in this movie, he he turns the Batmobile around, which, the, by the way, that's the best Batmobile by far. He turns the Batmobile around and using the jet engine burns a guy up. Right. And then he stuffs a bomb down a guy's pants and the guy blows up right after that. Like and he, when he does that, he's like he like smiles when he's doing that. It's just like Batman is a killer. Doesn't make sense with the character because he became Batman because his parents were killed. The only thing worse with Batman being a killer is if Batman was a killer, like with an AK 47 or something. It's like, <laughs> doesn't, you know, what, wow. which there are Batman's versions in the comics where that's the case where he, you know, he's a gun toting uh, vigilante, but like, see from Texas. Yeah. Here it's, it's cool. Hey, you can, you can be open carry. I mean, you'd probably get in trouble for Batman if you're wearing like the mask and the cape or whatever, because they think you were, you know, whatever. But, yeah. uh, um, no, like it that that's that's always something that kind of like stood out to me because Batman killing people doesn't really make sense yet. Not that you can save everyone, like the you know, in Batman uh begins, there's that great scene at the very end where Christian Bale is fighting with uh Ra's al Ghul and uh and you know, like he he could save him. He says he says, I don't like I'm not gonna kill you, but I don't have to save you, right? Which you know, you can you can quibble about well, is that the same thing or whatever but I, I that makes more sense than just openly like stuffing bombs down dude's pants <laughs> and killing them what do y'all think about batman killing people are y'all okay with it like what's the did y'all did y'all notice that in this movie because it really stood out to me in this movie i noticed it as an adult i didn't notice when i was a kid yeah um i i think i laughed when he he put the 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 bomb in the dude's pants and yeah. blew him up but as an adult i was like hmm that's not supposed to happen. That's that's off. That's weird. That's yeah. that's totally against Batman's uh, mantra and ideology. Um, I don't know the old I get, man. Like I, I think we we kind of let Tim Burton off the hook a little bit, well, a lot of bit, because 
for this movie, I don't think he did his research, or if he did, he just totally just ignored what the essence of Batman really is. And I don't think he played. cared. I don't think he, yeah, cared. he just wanted think, to make he wanted to make his movie, and then if Batman's in it, cool. If he's not, cool. You know, like he didn't care. And like the and like it, the movie does not age well. I mean, it does not age well at all. And when when you watch it, you realize how so way off the villains, the villain, the villain, or the villain's origin story, Batman's mantra, how so off base it is for this movie. But I think it was just so starved for another Batman movie during that time. We just Batman could have been in a clown suit, driving driving down driving down Gotham, going to Metropolis and. Find Superman as Bozo, like, and we would have been happy because it's Martha! ninety. It's yeah, it's ninety two. We it's a it's the second ever Batman movie. We just starved to see this come on the live screen on the big screen. It it would it would have sufficed, and I think Tim Burton knew that. And yeah. there there wasn't much there wasn't much to compare it to. It wasn't any other Batman series to compare it to outside the one that came out forty years prior to TV show. So he wasn't he wasn't gonna face much media scrutiny for what he what he created. In 2022, he just DC. He just he's what DC is now, and he would have been just a, a step, a step, a step ladder to what the MCU is today. So, Brittany, what's your take? Batman killing people. It's honestly something I didn't notice. <laughs> 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 which which is funny because I mean, I out of DC. Not that I'm a huge DC fan because I'm just I'm not. But I do like Batman, and and I like Batman because of Michael Keaton and because of this you know, movie in itself. And even as a kid, I don't think I really understood the ideology of Batman and, and mantra and everything that Frank just, just explained. So for me, I just accepted it as what was presented to me, right? Like if, if Batman can avoid killing someone or hurting someone, like he's going to do it, but it's like kind of, you know, whatever it takes at the end of the day, kind of, yeah. kind of mentality in my head, even now as an adult, it, it's not something that really bothers me. And that's probably because I don't have the grasp of Batman lore, like what Frank and many other fans out there would. So for me on the surface, I just kind of take it for what it is. And um, it, it truly just doesn't bother me. And that may be because of the fact that with all these other superhero movies that we've had since the era of the Tim Burton Batman, all these superheroes have had to make those decisions of, okay, am I going to hurt you or am I going to kill you? Or am I going to leave you alone kind of thing? So it's right. just kind of, I think I'm a little bit more desensitized to it. Yeah. But, to me, it's just the, it's like he gleefully killed that guy like that to me. That's like, that's not Batman. like Deadpool. That's Deadpool. Deadpool does that. Cool. Like, well, great. I think, like, I think too, but talk about the person that he's, he's, smiling at is is this man who basically said like hit me you know he's supposed to be like a really strong guy and it right. looks like you know he's got inches on on and weight on on batman it's like right. you know batman does a one two but like nothing happens to the dude what shut up stop it <laughs> i just realized what i just said sorry well, well hey for this movie that's pretty appropriate we'll get to that in a second but oh my going. god yeah. anyway but you know what i'm saying the, the dude is is a heavyweight compared to batman and yeah you know, know when batman tries to you know fight him nothing happens whatsoever until batman outsmarts him and has the bomb wraps it around you know his waist and and then that's he's like hmm, you know i i got you in other words like you didn't think I could get you, but I got you. Everything I'm saying right now really sounds wrong. Justin, please start talking. Well, okay. So my next thing is the Red Triangle Gang, right? That is 
Penguin's henchman. Okay, so last movie in Batman 89, the main villain is the Joker. He's a clown, right? So in this movie, you have a bunch of clowns, uh, and you know, they're dressed they're circus performers, they're you know, dressed as clowns, many of them are. And my thing is, what's the deal with Gotham City and clowns? Why are there so many clowns? It's like if you're down with the clown, you go to Gotham. I mean, even like like the, the circus and clowns are such a huge part of Gotham City, especially in these movies. Even in the next one, that's how we get Robin. You know, obviously his family, the flying Graysons, they you know, they're gymnasts or whatever, they die on the trapeze and uh at, at a circus, which you know, Batman is there watching as, as Bruce Wayne. Um, to me it's like do they have to be clowns? Like you just fought a clown in the previous movie. Just, it's like clown, clown overload for me. Not a sequel, bro. It's a totally different movie, dog. Like <laughs> it's, not, it's, not still, it's still clowns, though. Like nope, nope. Frank you know, makes I a mean, valid point. This stands alone. The Tim Burton movie, man. Not, nope. The first one was Warner Brothers. This is Tim Burton right here. It's a Tim Burton movie. Tim Burton wait, movie, baby. I can't wait to see Batman versus It because they're both Warner Brothers properties. Like, let's make it happen. We had Batman v Superman, Batman v It. Bring it. Why not? I'm with it. I'm with it. I'm with it. He fights all the clowns. Brittany, do you have any, any take on the, the clown? Like, did you notice all the clowns? Like, I don't like clowns, okay? Yeah, like, I okay. just I don't like clowns. Yeah. And it's because of the movie It. I do not like clowns. Right. Um, but I, I think I saw It much later after uh, after Batman Returns. So I wasn't, yeah. you know. And you I mean It, the, uh, the miniseries on TV? Because the movie came out like in the 20th. 15 or 16 or 17 or whatever. Yeah. I'm talking about the original it. I'm talking yeah, about the Tim, right. Tim Curry it. Yeah. The mini series, a TV mini series. Oh, whatever. I, yeah. I saw that as a child and that forever scarred me, but that was after Batman returns. No, to me, I don't think I, I, again, I desensitized or that wasn't my focus was the clans. What I really enjoyed were the penguins, like all the real life penguins that they actually used in this movie. You have the emperor yeah. penguins, like the really tall ones. And then of course you have the animatronics what have you. I, I think I was a little bit more fascinated with like, wow, how did they get so many of these penguins and to wear the little like armor and, and with the, the blasters the ro- or the rockets and the bombs and stuff. Like yeah. I thought that was actually really cool. Like even rewatching it today, I'm like, damn, like that's really cool that they train these penguins or the penguins like allowed them to put that stuff on them because I can't get Luna into anything like in a, yeah. like a shirt or a little hoodie, put little booties on her paw. She's like, no, I refuse. So I well, think for me, that's what fascinates me more over than clowns. <laughs> not all the penguins were real. Like they're not. About, yeah. They're not. So, yeah, yeah. There's some, there's some there's uh, animatronics. I know that. Yeah. I, animatronics. There's some little people that were dressed as right. clowns also. So. Right. But I, still, yeah. no, it's still, still they, yeah, they did bring cool. in live right. penguins from England and like they had their little area and it was super cold and the studio had to be super cold. And I don't know. I think to me, when, when you work, when you have the opportunity to work with animals, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's just cool. It's fun. Yeah. So my last uh, big thing with this movie is it's just a Tim Burton movie, like the Tim Burton of it all, you know, it's, it's a strange movie. It's a strange direction to go for a sequel. It's a movie that was marketed to, to kids because it's Batman. And you know, like you had the happy meals and the toy, the McDonald's stuff and it, all the commercials, but then it's also like a movie where, and this is a very horny movie, you know, like the penguin is a very horny character, like Bruce Listen, Wayne. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like, let me just read a couple of quotes from this movie. So this is the penguin. He's talking to Max Shrek 
about uh, the uh, the imaging consultant who's going to help him become mayor. He's like, I'd like to fill her void. And he's like, I'd teach her my, my French flipper trick, which it's like, man, like, you know, as a 12-year-old, I was like, what the hell are they talking about? Then like... Uh, Could you imagine if you really had like Google what we have today back then? It's like, what is French flipper trick? <laughs> <laughs> then you have... Max Shrek to Penguin talking about why he should go into politics. One of his bargaining things is, hey, there's unlimited poontang, which like, can't believe I said poontang on our podcast, but I did. So maybe we, we, should, have the, worst. we should have the poontang podcast. Maybe <laughs> it's a tribute. To, I mean, unlimited poontang would be a funny name for a podcast, honestly, now that I think about it. Um, it would. Yeah. yeah. Then, then you've got Penguin like hitting on this like college age girl he he says you're the hottest young person a role model could have then you have penguin talking to catwoman saying that they have naked sexual charisma probably the best line in the movie penguin to catwoman just the pussy i've, I've been looking for <laughs> wait what <laughs> that was in the right. movie yeah it's oh, in yeah. the movie yeah so that's yeah, in the movie yeah so she catwoman comes to his lair <laughs> And uh, yeah, she comes to his and, this, and it's yeah. because of movies and lines like this yeah. is why Frank is who he is. So I don't remember that for some reason. Yeah. Am I, do, I mean, I don't know. I watched a lot of porn as a kid too, so I probably went over my head. I don't know. So the last thing, <laughs> the last thing is uh, uh, Bruce Wayne and Selena are are dancing at this ball, and. He says something like, hey, so no hard feelings, I guess. And she's she's like kind of touching him. She's like, well, actually, I guess semi hard, I would say. So and then she she suggests that they go to right. the California King bedroom or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So like this is a very sexual movie for <laughs> a sequel to a Batman franchise. Not a sequel. Not a sequel bro. No, but it is, though. Like it's it's. <laughs> It's the next one. Like other other than the the mention of Vicky, like well, what is the there that logo. ties in? It's the to same Batman. It's the same story song. from Batman, right. right? Like like conceptually for the director, it's not a sequel, but for the rest of the world, it's a sequel. Like, Listen, I'm gonna go based on what the director says. No different than the director who says that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Okay, I'm gonna go based on what Tim Burton says. Makes a good point. Okay. Well. Was I the only one to notice all the horniness of this movie? I mean, come on. No, of course not. (laughs) Of course not. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I'm rewatching it today and I'm like Mm. laughing at all the, all these comments and I'm like, wow, like how, how did this fly back in, in 92, you know? (laughs) Different times, different times. I I don't know, man. I know it was PG, man, but that, that Catwoman suit was not PG, bro. I thought PG-13. PG 13, 15, 16. I saw every curvature of, of, of Michelle Pfeiffer in that suit as possible. That was not a PG 13 movie. And she did say, I don't know about you, Miss Kitty, but I've never felt yummier. Or I feel so much more yummy or some shit like that. Yeah. Like yeah, that that's very suggestive. <laughs> I mean, she looks great. And I mean, she's very sexy. Oh, yeah, she does. But but I don't think she was like like I don't think Catwoman was like over sexualized right i mean the, the the talk is very sexy no but what i'm saying is, no but if you go back and watch like they don't like have shots of like her ass or something they don't like sh- have shots of her body no but the dot bro the dialogue was, no, was that's what i'm saying is the dialogue <laughs> but i'm not like 
they didn't like they didn't like focus on her body so much, even though she's in like this skin tight uh, costume. It's not like Black Widow where you know she's walking away from the camera and all yeah. you see is just didn't have to a skin tight suit. <laughs> no, but but it's, it's like his body in a skin tight ass suit, like bro. Yeah, poor Michelle. She had to literally be vacuumed into that suit. That shit every- was tight. Yeah, and she, I think she said in an interview that after they were done, she never wanted to see that suit again. Like, she never wanted to be anywhere near it, affiliated with it, think about it, talk about it, you get it. Like, she's like, that was a lot. That was a lot to to endure. If she ate, if she ate an almond, she would have popped. That's how tight that suit yes, was. absolutely. That suit was tight. And then to consider, you know, any of the acrobatic type things that she had to do in like these platforms of, of boots, right? Which I thought the boots were hot. I, I was looking at them today. I'm like, damn, I need to get a pair. But her doing the- Yeah, you with, do. <laughs> her, her with the whip, <clears throat> right? And, and yeah. Yeah. she- looks so badass with that whip you know just and you hear the cracking of of the whip and the whip i forgot about the whip the whip like bro the whip was cool the whip was cool uh i mean that's a dominatrix shit dog that was some exactly the leather the boots the red lipstick the black eye makeup like yeah that's dominatrix right there yeah the whip scene was one take she knocked off those mannequins heads in one take yeah no she was pretty lethal with it because even when she was training with it she actually like cut the guy her trainer across the face and he right. was like a real gentleman about it and just like kept on going but like she was pretty lethal with it very impressive did she like lick the side of bruce wayne's face too at one point in the movie mm-hmm. yeah like I, bro that was not that was not a that was not for kids dog we should no. <laughs> Should be watching that shit. I mean, and then what Justin said earlier about Penguin addressing the the young potential voter, you know, saying that she's like the hottest, whatever, and he's like, "Let me put this this pin on you, this button," and he's like, you know, groping her or yeah. soft soft core groping or whatever. Yeah, that's like, was- uh, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> It's just yeah. uh, very disturbing. Yeah. It was soft core, bro. It was soft core. It was soft core for sure. Yeah. Did y'all notice yeah. who the first, the first person you see on screen in this movie, do you know who that was, Brittany? Yes. That was Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. Pee Wee Herman. So that was a callback. That to- explains everything. Right. Like, <laughs> this was at a time when Pee Wee Herman was, uh, you know, in some trouble for, uh, for having Doing a little bit too much things. fun in adult theater. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, I remember that he was like yeah. he was like beating off in the theater, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I do remember that. And it was it was during Batman Returns. No, I'm kidding. It wasn't Batman Returns. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, this is a horny movie. Like, honestly, <laughs> it's fairness to me. Like, come on, look what they got on the screen. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I. It, it's funny because I, I knew that like a few years ago when I was watching it and then rewatching it today, and I just laughed. I was like, oh my god, they actually got Pee Wee Herman to be the the father to Penguin. And it's, you know, it's just wild. It's just wild. <laughs> There's also some like some like brutal like uh, scenes like Brittany referenced earlier where she bite whenever a penguin bites the guy's nose off like and just gushing blood or he, or he bite. I don't know if he bites it off, but he bites it. The guy's he nose, bites it. Yeah. Gushing yeah. blood. I remember that as a kid. Also, like whenever penguin is born, he's you know obviously <laughs> deformed. He they. His parents put him in a cage and he snatches a cat, eats the cat. Like, yeah, that's pretty like, 
I also I mean, they, they don't show him eating the cat, but but yeah, you know, he pulls you, the cat you in. And you get the picture, yeah, yeah. Him also eating the raw fish, yep. that Shrek gave him coming down the stairs, right. you know, and, and to propose the whole mayoral uh, thing. And and I don't like fish. I don't like seafood. So like seeing seeing penguin eat this raw fish and just ugh, it just makes me ugh. I don't like it. It's that that makes me cringe. I think more so than than the blood gushing out of the nose and and things of that nature. It's just ugh, gross. And Shrek used that fish to like lure a penguin up to the surface or whatever. To, right, like like yeah, you yeah. would with with a trained animal. Or it's it's very it's very demeaning, of course. But uh, yeah, that that was disturbing. And then of course, you know, penguins whole whole premise of wanting to come up to the surface world if you will and and he's wanting to take down all the firstborn sons of gotham to the sewer and basically treat them as as he had been treated you know when his parents got rid of him it's that's very disturbing <laughs> you know yeah, uh, yeah. yeah that, that didn't make sense to me like even watching as a kid i was like what did the firstborn kids of gotham gotta do with your fucked up parents i, I don't like Right. But he was the firstborn. He was discarded by his like yeah. wealthy to do parents. And so I guess his payback was to. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. It's, it's <laughs> kind of it's almost like a biblical sort of take where it, you have the plagues of Egypt, if you will. And, and one of the plagues was the the death of the firstborn sons. If you didn't do God's will. So it's it's I mean, it's a big stretch. I, I, I can make the connection. But it's kind of like this was done to me, so I'm going to do it to like everyone else who, like, has a firstborn child. It's messed up. It's really ultimately messed up. Of course, I just want to know that when Penguin was dis discarded, and then he, you know, miraculously made it down the sewers to the little lair with all the other penguins. It's like who really raised him to like read, write, speak. <laughs> You know, because and this is the other thing that really freaked me out because you see that sequence right with the bassinet and then it it swipes to like then present day Gotham City and it said 33 years later. And I'm thinking Penguin is 33 or 34 at this point. And I'm like, I'm about to be 34 years old. This is so fucking disturbing. Like, why? Just why? <laughs> It was just—I don't know. It was just lazy writing with the origin story. With him. <laughs> it was just because it, it, it didn't make. It was just—it didn't make sense. Like for him to do all of that and forgot them for the firstborn, and then like he wasn't even like seen as formidable. Like, like he could have like he can't he couldn't fight. <laughs> you know, he wasn't really articulate. He wasn't really like a fight. He wasn't really like impo physically imposing. It was just—I don't know, like. I just felt like he had a story that people like sympathized or empathized, right? Yeah. yeah. Like I was discarded. I don't have parents. I don't know who I am. Like it kind of got to Bruce for a little bit, right? He's like, Oh, I hope he finds his parents. I hope he finds out like who he is. And then when he started digging more, he's like, Yeah, fuck this guy. <laughs> you know, he's up to no good. <laughs> but but even, but even with like the the the, the single solitary second of, of empathy that Bruce had. You forget about the empathy because, like, he's like trying to kill all the firstborn kids in the city. He's like, I don't know. It's like again, I think Tim Burton just threw some shit together, like at the deadline, and just said, "Fuck it, let's 
Let's see where this goes. Like I don't, it, it didn't make sense. It was not, it was not articulate enough for me to like really, because like with, with a good villain, you kind of see the point, and you and you, and you kind of like, if not empathize, sympathize a little bit. I didn't, I didn't feel for like being a kid and watching this character. I was just like, this ugly fuck needs to die. That's 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 the only feeling I had. Like. This ugly fuck that eats fish needs to die. And I, when it when is when is Batman gonna kill him? That, that was the only thought I had. And, and there was nothing. There, he wasn't a good villain. It was not. Yeah. It was not written well um, yeah. for for this role. I agree. I agree. Even like even the way that Penguin went out with with this being surrounded by the penguins that had the little rockets that were being launched, <laughs> and then he like falls through like a ceiling window or something into the water. And then you don't see him until he makes this like really dramatic, like exit from the water and bile is just like pouring down his front. And, and then he's like, he's, he's telling Batman, like, I'll get to you. I'll, I'll kill you momentarily, but first I need a cool drink of water. Then just collapses. It's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but to me after that, whenever he's like, he's, he's dead laying face down on the, you know, like this, like a cement embankment, right? Mm-hmm. And these penguins show up by his side, almost like pallbearers or something. Yeah. And they like escort his body to the water. The only problem is, is when you're watching that scene, their flippers aren't even touching him. No, like, they're not. And his body just starts going down this embankment into the water, but they, they're never even touching him. So that was, uh, that was kind of strange, honestly. Yeah, no, it really was. I mean, I mean, the whole movie in general is just, it's, I've already said it's wacky. Yeah. It's, it's very Tim Burton. You know, it doesn't have to make sense necessarily. It's, it's just kind of like there for entertainment purposes. And I think it fulfills that purpose of being entertaining and you can call it a sequel all you want. I, I will, I will agree with Tim Burton as a director. It's, it's its own standalone movie. It's fine. It's, it's rewatchable for me. I, you know, as as dumb as it may be, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It's just always been a fun watch. Like this is a movie that critically is now kind of beloved. I mean, back in the day mm-hmm. it was kind of mixed, but now as time has passed, more people enjoy it for whatever reason. I yeah. I kind of feel the same. I mean, as a kid, I liked it more than I do right now. But mm-hmm. uh yeah, there's there's a lot of things in this movie that um uh, I don't know. I could have uh, done without or changed. I mean, I do like that. It's only two hours long. That that's a nice part of it. So, yeah. so what parts would you keep, and then what parts would you? No, I, I think out? just with the villains. I think if mm. you could, if you could give the villains better origin stories or better, like you know, like I said, Catwoman, like making her a supernatural character is strange to me. <laughs> when there's so yeah. many other Batman supernatural, you know, you have. You have a uh, you know Killer Croc and you have Clayface and you have all these other characters. If you wanted to go like supernatural angle, you could do that. And mm-hmm. it's kind of similar how in the first movie in Batman, you know the Joker he becomes the Joker. He falls in this vat of acid and then he becomes the Joker. Yeah. Um. But but even with Catwoman, it's like she's like this zombie who can die and come back to life. But that that part really like looking back, it's like that's a really like. It's That's a big good. stretch, especially like yeah. if you're going to embody this whole like cats have nine lives kind of situation. Yeah. I, it's it's really far fetched. But then again, we watch these movies, these superhero movies where aliens come from the sky and like, you know, with a snap, you oh, know, yeah. half the universe is, is randomly 
eliminated. And so it's, I just kind of take it with a grain of salt and, you know, yeah, it is I, what it is. I mean, it's all make believe. I get it. Right. But yeah. I, I think that you could, you know, even in make believe, you have to establish like rules of the world and sure. that yeah. kind of breaks it. And, you know, one of the scenes about Catwoman, I was doing some research about this movie that I didn't, I didn't remember before I rewatched it. And I didn't know that this was true, but the scene where she puts the, the bird in her mouth, she really did that. Yeah. That was a live bird in her mouth. Yep. yep. Like, that's crazy. I can't yeah, imagine. These, these actors star. can commit. <laughs> yeah, but she could have been committed to, you know, the hospital with some kind of disease. Or <laughs> well, I'm sure that, you know, like with any other movie that deals with live animals, they're looked after and they're, you know, healthy and yeah, whatnot. But I mean, so just like yeah. her, like, why would you want to put it, the bird in your mouth? You know, like that's. Why would Danny DeVito want to potentially even, albeit fake, you know, bite the nose off of someone? You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's like that close proximity. And even though it's fake blood and, uh, you know, I don't know. So what's up, Mike? My brother here is questioning if maybe she got bird flu. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. That's what I'm saying. That's a risk. <laughs> Why would you do that? Maybe that's what happened to Michelle Pfeiffer. She disappeared for a while because uh <laughs> bird flu. I don't think actually she disappeared though. No. She was pretty popular at that time, but yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the scenes that I kind of forgot about uh, and then watching it last night was when the penguin takes control of the Batmobile, like instead of having like a, you know, remote control or something, he's like driving one of those like coin operated, like kitty rides that you would find yeah. outside of a grocery store. Mm. Like that looks like the Batmobile. I completely forgot about that. part, But that's, yeah that's so ridiculous to have it's that. so much fun though yeah. I, I love it because it really kind of drives that whole circus type theme of just being corny and kind of just out there and you know if you're going to get a chance to drive the batmobile i mean at least like get a small model of it and drive the batmobile i mean i, I would have been the same thing so <laughs> yeah i don't know it's just I, for some reason, I just like completely blocked that out of my mind. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that was no. funny. Yeah, I think I think one of the other kind of cute little funny parts is is the little poodle who's carrying a grenade, grenade. and just like yep. you know, just tippy taps all the way into the store or wherever it was going, and drops off the grenade and hightails it out of there, and then boom, big explosion. And it's like, my goodness, like <laughs> dogs really can be up to no good. I'm like, got, thank goodness Luna was asleep. Right. She <laughs> watching taking, that moment. Taking notes over there. Exactly. <laughs> then you have the monkey who's like uh you know carrying the note from Batman or to or yeah, from Batman to to Penguin. Like that was so I read about the monkey that that was actually really difficult to shoot because the monkey was genuinely terrified of penguins. Yep, the way makeup. Yeah. I mean, and 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 kudos to Danny DeVito. I mean, that was like a three hour long process to put that on every day. I think he rigged the trailer or whatever to play movies so he can watch them in the reflection of the, of the mirror. And then, um, you know, to sit through all that. And then he actually stayed in character in between takes, uh, you know, and, and that's something that actors do method acting, what have you, um, which I think is, is awesome. But you know, when you're committed, you're committed. And I, I you know, kudos to Danny DeVito for doing that. I think, in terms of casting, I, I don't think they, I don't think they messed up on casting. I think it was overall really, you know, well done. And uh, like Frank said earlier with 
with Christopher Walken's character, you know, he sounds like a dude that like will fuck you up. I mean, he kind of does. Um, that might be because of his New York accent, but um, and the, and the kind of big glaring blue eyes, it's very creepy. <laughs> yeah, so. I think what, like Frank said before, he that's probably my introduction to uh, to Christopher Walken. I don't, I mean, he'd been in movies before that, but not movies that I had seen. So yeah, so that yeah. that was that was a big part of this movie too. Speaking of Christopher Walken, and because this is a Tim Burton movie, I mentioned this to Justin earlier that I saw something in the movie that was later reused in another Tim Burton movie with Christopher Walken and that's Sleepy Hollow. I don't know what it's called precisely. I think it might have been used as a torture device um, back in back in the day. But the scene where Bruce and Alfred are in, I don't know if it's a study or living area. Yeah. Sure. There's there's like this kind of secret statue type I don't know, casket or something that opens up that has spikes on the inside that uh, literally shoots Bruce down to the Batcave. That same uh, statue torture device thing was used in Sleepy Hollow in a scene where Johnny Depp's character, Ichabod Crane, has dreams from his childhood when he sees his mother in that same uh, torture device and then it opens up and then blood you know just comes gushing out and her body just kind of comes forward and she's got all these like holes everywhere I was like oh wow like I never caught that up until like literally today so I think it's I think it's cool that um I know it for being Tim Burton and then it's reused in another Christopher Walken uh movie as well I don't know yeah no that, I didn't I didn't notice that I mean I've I've seen Sleepy Hollow, but I think I've seen it like once in a long time ago. It's one of my favorite movies. Absolutely love Sleepy Hollow. Yes, so does Amber, apparently. So yes, yes, she does. We're we're right here, Amber. We're right here. Yes. (laughs) I've never seen the movie. I saw the TV show that came out like five years ago with um with Nicole Bahari and uh I can't remember the the European actor's name, but it was a good show on Fox. I saw like first three seasons of it. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. So the device that I'm talking about, shout out to my brother for pointing this out, is called an Iron Maiden. There we go. No, that's a band. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amber, Amber, you're right. Yeah. We're basically the same person. So um, anyway. So what did y'all think about the the kind of maybe the most famous quote in this movie where uh, it's a Batman and Catwoman line where they they use it on each other. They, but they swap the roles in which they're saying it. The uh, the mistletoe. famous mistletoe can be deadly if you eat it, but a kiss can be even deadlier if you mean it. Mm-hmm. What you, Brittany? What do you think about that line? It always it always sticks in my head, and I think that was probably the first real understanding that not that you see mistletoe too much here in Texas, or at least not where I grew up. Um, it was a good a good warning of don't eat the mistletoe <laughs> who says you can't learn things from movies <laughs> I, I had no idea that it would kill you if you if you ate it so yeah anyway. it's it's very uh it's very thought-provoking it's very uh very true too you know as a it's an age-old tradition to if you're standing under the mistletoe and you kiss someone it's like okay but if you mean it you know Better, better be prepared. <laughs> but you know that line because they, like I said, they they use it again. Mm-hmm. That line is used to like 
that's how they discover that oh selena kyle's catwoman and bruce wayne is batman right but like watching this movie last night i'm like this is late in the movie i'm like don't they already know this like i mean it seems like it seems obvious from because like catwoman gets bruce in the side with her claws and then like they're together and she's like going for that and he he references that you can tell he's like oh this hurts like to me it seems very obvious that they already know that and I, i'd forgotten that they don't know until they say that line to each other again yeah frank what are your what are your thoughts on that like as far as like it seemed like late in the game when they they finally go oh you're also batman like that to me it seemed late in the game that part was kind of lame. Again, that was Tim Burton not doing his homework. Like, you're supposed to be the greatest, the world's greatest detective, and you don't know that this this chick that you've been finding over for two and a half hours in this movie is the same chick that stabbed you in the fucking belly as Catwoman. Like, like how do you not know this? Like, like, and, and, and that's that's one thing I did not like about this movie was like the detective aspect of Batman was totally taken out of this movie. Like, Batman is portrayed as his handsome playboy philanthropist, like. Fighting. Not to be confused with Tony Stark. Yeah, but like it's just like they the the essence of Batman of him being this cold ass detective and guy who can who is nine steps ahead 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 of the you know the police and everybody else. You didn't get that in this movie. You don't really get that in any of the Batman movies um, that that um, Schumacher and uh, Burton did, and that that aspect I really missed. But I thought it was kind of stupid the whole not knowing <laughs> to the mistletoe line. I was like, bro, really? Like you supposed to be the the dude and you don't know who this is so well, thing is bruce is so in love with her with with selena mm-hmm. like after she comes back everybody every fucking <laughs> batman with somebody new this is like every, it was bad the first movie this movie was her the third movie was who, who was George in love with some some chick as well yeah uh can't remember who it was not poison ivy well i, I mean in uh batman forever Bruce is in love with Chase Meridian, the doctor played mm, the by doctor. Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman, yeah. 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 Nicole Kidman, okay. And then it's just, it's just, dude's a fuck boy, man. He, he loves everything. That he <laughs> like he, he's just anything uh, with with boobs that, that moves. Get it? But he's so in love with her that he like he forgets things. Like for example, early in this movie, the first time Batman meets Selina Kyle is when he saves her on the side of the street, and. So later on when they meet, when he's Bruce Wayne, like uh, Max introduces Selena to Bruce and he goes, oh, no, we've met before. And then he realizes, no, I met her as Batman. He's like, oh, I mistook me for someone else. Like he says that line, which is like, like he's so like, I don't know. He's so Dumb. weird around her. Yeah. I mean, in some ways that's cool because it's like, you know, this is this person who, you know, doesn't have love in his life. I guess, you know, because obviously what happened with his parents, but um, I don't know. It's it's such a crazy movie. Like, it's fun, but it's also just like when you go back and really look at it, it's like, man, this movie is like pretty strange. Mm, and yeah, like okay. nowadays, they would definitely would not make a movie like this. No, they would not. No. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it doesn't. It doesn't work with the rest of the universe that they're trying to create. But then like like I said earlier with the Batman forever, Batman Robin, they take that camp and go even further. So I don't know. It's a very strange movie. Batman returns. And, uh, as well as movies, like I said before, like there's, I have a lot of nostalgia for it, but not necessarily for the movie for a lot of like the, like there was like a video game on super Nintendo. I remember playing that. Like, there was, 
the action figures and like even the McDonald's stuff. I have nostalgia for that and like just the Christmas theme, but the movie itself, when I really sit down and watch it, it's like, man, this is like, this is kind of a tough watch <laughs> for me. I think for me too, what's, what's going to be interesting as well. Cause I know, I know Michael King is going to reprise his role as Batman. As well, we hope. Yeah. Well, we hope. Yeah. For this flash movie. And I, I kind of want to see if he does appear in this film, like what Batman, what ideology or what vibe he's, is he going to be like? I don't, I can't see him in 2023 or 2024 adopting this Tim Burton vibe uh, for the flash movie. So I, I kind of want to see what this older Batman is going to look like if he does reprise that role. Um, as the Batman Beyond character of Bruce Wayne. Yeah, no, Frank, mm-hmm. that's a good point because, you know, back in the day, you know, once they made Batman Forever and Val Kilmer became Batman, we thought that we thought that Michael Keaton was done playing Batman. So his last appearance was in 1992. But since then, you know, recently he was in Batgirl, which has been canceled. So we, we, want, we probably will never see that ever come out. He was supposed to be in Aquaman 2, but they've done reshoots and apparently now Ben Affleck will be playing the Batman in that movie because that movie's now been moved ahead of the flash. And then of course in the flash, I mean, he initially, he was a big part of the movie. Now they've, they've done some reshoots. So I don't know what's going to happen with that movie. I, to me, I can't wait for that movie because that movie is going to be bonkers uh, for so <laughs> many reasons. But uh, I mean, if, if, if for whatever reason they cut Michael Keaton out of that movie, I can't imagine like even five years ago, if you told me, oh, Michael Keaton's going to be Batman three more times, but we're never going to see any of that stuff that I. That's crazy. I just mm-hmm. I would not believe that there's a possibility that could be true. So we'll have to wait till June to find out when the flash comes out. Yeah. So. So, Brittany, do you have any thoughts on that? None whatsoever. None whatsoever. Okay. <laughs> I just, so, I just know. I mean, we're talking about like all the other iterations of Batman and I just, I don't like Ben Affleck. I don't think he was a good choice for Batman, but I digress. Well, speaking <laughs> of Batman, it, it wouldn't be a watchers in the basement show if I didn't, if we didn't have some kind of rankings. Right. So mm-hmm. Brittany, if you wouldn't mind, these are the rankings I did back when the Batman came out back in March. So let's, let's throw those up one more time. We'll, we can talk through these real quick. See if y'all agree with my my rank. Stand by. Yeah, it's okay. So here we go. My live action solo film Batman rankings. Now I say live action solo film because uh, there was obviously there's been a Lego Batman movie. I'm not counting that. There was the Mask of the Phantasm animated movie. I'm not counting that. And I'm also not counting Batman v Superman because that, to me that's <laughs> not a Batman movie. That's not a Superman movie. That is like a free <laughs> Justice League movie. <laughs> So it's not even it's not even a good movie, so we won't talk about it. I've t- one day I'm going to sit down and do like a seven hour pod about Batman v oh. Superman because I have so many thoughts, and I think we are going to lose all of our yeah, subscribers if you do I'm, that. I'm sorry, but I have to no. Do it. It's for my own my own mental no. health. Honestly. Absolutely not. I forget um, it. But those are my rankings. So I've got number changing one, all the passwords. Number one, my rankings: The Dark Knight. Number two, Batman Begins. Number three, The Dark Knight Rises. Number four, The Batman with Robert Pattinson. <laughs> Number five, Batman 89. Number six, Batman Forever. Number seven, Batman Returns. Number eight is Batman 66, which I will probably never watch again. But (laughs) (laughs) 
And that just goes to show you how much, how little I think of Batman and Robin because it's dead last. And <laughs> if if the Lego Batman were thrown in here, and if Batman v Superman and uh, Mask of Phantasm were part of this, the uh, Batman and Robin would hold down that bottom spot. They, it's got the bottom forever. I mean. In the future, when they make their 700 Batman movie, if I'm still alive by some cryogenically frozen, whatever, hologram way, I will have that movie at the very bottom. So, anyway. Goodness. Brittany, what are your thoughts on my rankings? How would you change them, or what do you think? So, I haven't seen Batman 66. Okay. So, in a but still, you know, I, I still would keep Batman and Robin at the bottom no matter what, even though I haven't seen 66. Uh, I'm sure it's hell of a lot better than Batman and Robin because that's just a god-awful movie. Uh, I would change the middle row uh, where I put Batman Returns before Batman Forever and then Batman 89 just because I it's been years since I've seen Batman 89 and I don't recall it that well. The others are fresher in my memory. Um, I mentioned to Justin earlier today that Batman Forever <laughs> was the first Batman I think I saw in theaters. Mike, if you're still in the chat, you should remember this. We went to go to the cinema at Northline. We sat in the front row because my dumbass self had never sat in the front row before. And after doing that for Batman Forever, would never, ever do it again. <laughs> so, yeah. I So, my rankings are very similar to, to that of Justin's. I... I'm not the biggest fan of Batman Begins at all. Just just not. But I definitely would put the Nolan trilogy well before anything else because yeah. those are the best. And I, I, would, I really honestly was very surprised about how much I liked the Batman uh, despite, despite it being just 40 minutes too long. But it was good. It was, it was, it was really good. And like I said, I just kind of altered that middle row just a little bit. But yeah, Batman Robin dead last. It, it deserves to be there forever but i would put the lego movie the lego batman movie in there because that's actually really cute i actually really do enjoy that movie and then the phantasm yeah. phantasma one whatever you were talking about mask of the never, phantasm yeah. that one never seen it um it was kind of a precursor to the animated series or it was like it um, kind of came out like it, it was a movie with in that same world i guess is okay, okay. Put it. yeah if i've seen it i don't remember it you know but again batman and robin's forever dead last so yeah. frank what about you um, mine a little bit different. I have Dark Knight Rises first. Um, I love that movie. Bane, Bane, the 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 Bane character in that movie, how he's portrayed by Tom Hardy, made made that movie for me. Um, uh, I love Anne Hathaway, Selena Kyle in that movie as well. Um, so I have that first. I have Dark Knight second. Um, I have Batman Begins third. Batman Returns fourth. Um, 89 Batman 5th, the Batman uh, Pattinson 6th. Um, I've never seen 66 Batman, and I have Batman Robin last. Um, the, the Christopher Nolan Batmans are like the top three. That, that Those three are just... As they should. It's just different, man. Like, how Batman's portrayed in that film, um, the vibe of Gotham City, like, the, the acting, the Christian Bale, like, that's... That was Batman for me growing up. That, at, like... And, and I'll go back to this to the Frank Miller comics of uh, the killing joke and, and dark Knight, it like Christopher Nolan did his research. And that's one thing I respected about him. He took the Batman from the comic books and, 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 and transcended him to real life on the big screen. Um, it's very dark. It's very, it's, it, 
there's an empathetic feel to Batman, what he's gone through. You get a better feel of his origin story as well. Um, the fighting is great. The gadgets are great. Morgan Freeman's fucking great. Like everything about that that series is just great. And then, um, uh, and everything everything else comes after that. I don't really care how you how you how you want to rank them, but um, Robin Pat. I, I watched Robin Pattinson's Batman as well a few months ago, and I, I tried to give it a second watch. Um, I still think it's okay. I, I just I can't get with the grunge Batman. He feels like. I feel like Kurt, I feel like he's Kurt Cobain on the mask. Like exactly very, what they were going for. It's just very exactly what they were going for. Okay. Well, if, that was the, if that's what they were going for, then they they they, they, they hit the nail on the head. I just I just wasn't feeling it. It was just so fucking long. God, it was yeah, so it was, fucking it was, long. It was, it was forty minutes, way too long. Yeah, um, they took that bitch down a little bit. Um, yeah. A lot of it, but yeah. Um. I, I was still surprised how much I actually did enjoy it. And that's because I did go see it in theaters. And I'm like, oh, okay, like this this wasn't bad. Like mm -hmm. I'm I'm actually not mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it. There's my rankings. You've heard what we, we think about Batman Returns and just Batman in general. But we want to know what you think about Batman Returns. And Brittany, how can people tell us about their thoughts? Or how can they share their thoughts, I guess? Well, as always, we do encourage everyone to take part in our live chats. They are the best way to uh, talk to us as we're talking about the thing, content, whatever, live. So definitely encourage you to uh, participate in live chats. That means you need to subscribe to us. That also means you have to like this video. And that also means you have to comment. So be sure to do that. But also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Search at Watcher's Basement for those three platforms help spread the word and grow our audience about the watchers in the basement. We are on the road to 200 YouTube subscribers. We are very, very close. Y'all we're at 176 at time of recording. So help make that happen and be sure to also listen to our audio podcasts, which are, are available on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, and Spotify. Thanks to anchor.fm. Please give us a five-star rating helps out our channel. So, so much. And back to you, Justin. Thank you, Brittany. I appreciate it. And you know, this is a Christmas themed movie and there's nothing I want more for Christmas than more subscribers. So if you could subscribe, if you're watching this now and you're not subscribed, hit that subscribe button. We appreciate it. Or if you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple podcast, subscribe there as well. We, uh, we really appreciate that. So, so guys, any, any final thoughts before we get out of here? I enjoyed this movie. If y'all haven't watched it in a long time, it is available on HBO Max. If you have it or ask a friend, you get the idea. <laughs> but also, I just want to give a shout out to everyone who uh, joined us in today's pod. Uh, Amber, of course, my my other me, all of my brother, my brother Mike, Nick and Claire, all the way from the UK. Appreciate you staying up late to take part in this. And Nadia, who was here uh, earlier as well as Yesenia, who is a longtime Watchers fan. We appreciate it. Thank y'all. Appreciate y'all. Frank, final thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, for the time they came out, it, it was it was really good. Um, it aged like spoiled milk for me, but um, I, look, it's, you know, I can, I can always appreciate a good superhero movie um, for the time period, and I, I appreciate it for the time period, and I can't wait to see Michael Keaton if he does come back next year or in future films yeah i'm looking forward to that too fingers crossed so we're getting toward the end of the year as everyone knows and we've got some really fun plans for the next few weeks of podcasts so 
if you're if you're watching this now, you're listening to this now, be sure to check out our next couple of episodes because we've got some really fun things coming up, and we want to have as many people as possible check them out. So uh, give us a listen, give us a view. We would definitely appreciate that. So for Brittany, for Frank, this is Justin saying we'll see you next time. Have a good evening. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Goodbye.